0: Um, It's really, really great to have a live audience for once, and I'm truly happy that many of you actually took uh, the long drive to be here, and so we are truly happy and filled with joy, and it just so happens in this small room, we have two joys, right? It's always good to have a lot of joy in your life, and so we are truly happy. We are filled with joy in our hearts because we're able to assemble together together, And we do so with the spirit of worship. We want to please our Abba, Yahuwah. And we also want to please his beloved son, Yahusha HaMashiach. We gather together and it is part of life to kind of wait for things to happen. We wait often, right? How many here are accustomed to waiting? Depending on the nature of your job, you probably wait all the time. But as human beings, it's part of what is called living. We wait for certain things to happen. We wait for the economy to become better. We wait for our children to graduate from school. We wait for lunch, maybe, right? But there are certain things in life that is worthy of not just waiting for it, something that we need to long for, something we need to eagerly look forward to happen. What could that be? According to the Apostle Paul, what should we long for, thirst for, and eagerly look forward to do, to happen? Let's begin our studies in the book of 2 Timothy 4 and the okay. verses 8. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What should we long for? Eagerly anticipate with all of our souls. It is the appearing of Yahushua Hamashiach. Why should we long for the day when Yahushua appears? Because when he returns, we're going to receive a crown. What is that crown, brothers and sisters? Do you think it's a literal crown? I don't think so. It's representing something else. What does the crown represent? Represents our salvation it represents being with our king in heaven how many here would like to go to heaven <laughs> i think we all like to go to heaven right how many here would like to go to heaven tonight <laughs> would you want to go to heaven tonight? See, <laughs> a lot of people say you know i want to get, go to heaven but maybe not yet <laughs> I still have a lot of dreams I want to achieve in life, right? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to accomplish my dreams here on earth. But you know what, beloved brethren, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the return of our king, nothing can compare to what we shall experience. It's too bad as human beings, we're so oriented towards earth, right? We're not excited about heaven. What's ironic is... The first century Christians, they were oriented not on earth, but towards heaven. That was in the first century. Now that we're close to the return of our king, instead of being oriented towards heaven, we're kind of stuck on earth. Our dreams are earth-based. There's nothing wrong with having dreams here on earth. Sometimes, because our dreams on earth are so focused, heaven becomes kind of fuzzy, right? And so the Bible tells us we need to long for the return of our king, for the return of our Messiah. What shall we receive when our king Yahusha returns? Let's read the book of John sixteen twenty two. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Who is the one speaking in this passage? Is it Apostle Paul? Who is the one speaking here? Our king? Yehusha. Yehusha says, you have sorrow now, and it's something that many of us can relate to, right? There's sorrow now. This is true, and I believe it's a universal statement all human beings experience sorrow. Yehusha says, you have sorrow now, and there's a reason why he said that. He said, you have sorrow now, but I... We'll see you again. You see, according to our king, Yahushua, when he was speaking to his disciples, you're going to experience sorrow because I'm going to leave. I'm going to disappear. I'm going to be gone. You see, the source of our joy is the presence of our king, Yahushua. Yahushua says, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. That's our hope. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that Joy. You see, when Yahusha returns, we're going to experience unprecedented joy. We have joy all the time, right? Your favorite basketball team wins. You feel joy, right? Um, something good happens to one of your kids. They get an award. You feel joy, right? This kind of joy is different, very different, because this joy supernatural. Something that cannot be produced with human happenings. It's only something that we can experience, but we cannot describe. It's something that we experience when Yahushua is with us, when Yahushua will return. I believe this prophecy of our King Yahushua has two fulfillments. What's the first fulfillment? Yahushua said, you're going to have sorrow now because I'm going to be gone. Why did he say that? Because he knows he's going to die. And so for three days, he's going to disappear. He's going to go there. What is there? The grave. You're not going to see me anymore. And was this fulfilled? Yeah. I mean, when our King Yahushua was arrested, how many was by his side? How many sought to defend him? None. They all left. They all left. They all fled because they were afraid. And then they saw him crucified. They saw what he went through. And so they were distraught. They carried great the the burden of sadness and sorrow. They were afraid. And it's funny, you know, why would they be afraid? Because for a long, long time, Yahusha warned them about that, right? I'm going to die, but I'm going to live again. But the reality of that didn't really sink in. And so they did not get it. They were afraid. And then one day, what happens? Shows up. (laughs) Can you imagine their face? I mean, what do you think? The expression of their face was when all of a sudden, the Messiah they saw crucified, all of a sudden appears before them and says to them, peace be unto you. What do you think they felt? Joy. Joy, because Yahusha died, then Yahusha lives again. And so they felt joy. But Yahusha, of course, says to them, I'm going to leave again. But this time, not to go there, but to go up there, right? But he also says to us, I will see you again. Why do we believe that we will see our king, Yahusha, again? Let's read the book of John. 14, 1 to 3. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, what we read to you is a statement of promise. From our king, Yahushua. I don't know if Brother Paul still remembers. Why are you picking on Brother Paul, brother? Because he's sitting in the back. (laughs) You like to sit and notice it in the back. Brother Paul, do you remember the statement of our king, Yahushua? It's a statement of promise. In Hebrew, among Hebrew idioms, the statement of promise from our king. What does it indicate? If you still remember. (laughs) Anyone here remember? What kind of statement of promise this is? It's a statement of promise to his. Yahushua's the husband. She must have a bride. Because in the Hebrew culture, when you are engaged, you're going, the, the groom is to depart for a while to prepare a place in his father's house. And when that place is ready... He's going to go back and get you. Yahushua's telling us, you're my bride. And one day, I'm going to return. And we're going to have that wedding consummated. Beloved brethren, that's a day of great joy. Weddings are happy and joyous occasions, right? But there's no greater occasion, no greater joy, when Yahushua actually returns. And we're going to have that grand celebration. This is why it is but right that we long for the return of our king. Yahushua. But one might say, well, brother, you know, I really want Yahushua to return. But not yet, because maybe I'm not ready yet. How many here feel like that sometimes? I'm not ready yet. I might not be saved. Do you feel like that sometimes? I'm not worthy. I have not done enough for him yet and so maybe there's some trepidation there maybe you're saying to yourself i might not be safe so i want to postpone his return <laughs> like we can do that right we want to make sure we're not going to be put to shame when christ returns we don't want him to say to us i never knew you depart from me and so we have doubts sometimes but there's something in the holy bible that tell us that we should not be afraid if we truly have given our hearts to our king Yahusha. What is that? Let's read the book of Genesis 37, 26 to 28. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. How many here are familiar with this story? You might be asking, why are we talking about Joseph when our topic is about the return of our king, Yahushua? What's the answer to that question? It's called typology. How many here know what typology is all about? It's about Old Testament events that inform us of the future events, right? We know about the typology of Joseph. What or who does Joseph typify? Our king? Yahushua. Now, here's my question. Who do the brothers of Joseph typify? (laughs) Tough one, huh? Who do the brothers of Joseph typify? us us right the brothers of joseph typify us why because the brothers of joseph did evil against yahusha and we if we're going to be honest we are sinners before yahusha we don't deserve salvation this is why this episode of biblical history is worthy of our study how many here remember the story of joseph yeah who was his father Jacob! How many kids did Jacob have? Twelve. Plus he had Benjamin. Right? So he had a lot of kids. Just put it there. Right? But who was his favorite? Joseph! How many here who are parents have favorites? If you have favorites, I would not suggest that you show favoritism. Right? Right? sometimes <laughs> even though you don't say it comes out in your actions and in your in your words right but it's not good to have favorites why it's gonna bring up jealousy because uh, jacob was showing favoritism to joseph by the way how did he show his favoritism to joseph yeah he gave him that jacket is that what we call a jacket <laughs> a leather jacket <laughs> what did he give joseph A coat, a raincoat, because in Edgewood, Washington, it rains all the time, right? What did he give him? Like a a tunic, like a multicolored tunic, rainbow. (laughs) I say that, a multicolored tunic. That's kind of weird, though, but he likes it. I mean, he was popular, right? And so who became jealous? The brothers. They became jealous. Why only him? And to top things off, it's a dream. And in his dream, he tells his brothers, you're going to worship me. <laughs> you know, you're know, you going to serve me. You're going to bow down to me. Right? And so they really get upset. So what do they decide to do? Some of them actually plan to kill him. It was that bad. It's a good thing Judah talked them out of it. Instead of killing him, look, let's just sell him. Sell him to who? The Ishmaelite traders. That way, you know, we don't have to cover up the crime. And so they hated Joseph. They intended to do evil against Joseph. And so Joseph was sold to these traitors. He was again sold to Potiphar. And he was serving with, with Potiphar. He does good. Potiphar loves him, including the wife. And so the wife seduces him. He runs away. He gets accused of rape. He goes to prison. In prison, he becomes the best prisoner to the point the warden says, I want you to be the warden. <laughs> right? He was blessed in that prison and in that prison he meets two people eventually pharaoh comes to know about him because pharaoh has a dream that he cannot understand and interpret and so joseph comes along and says oh this is what jehovah god tells me you need to prepare because we're going to have a great famine and so he becomes governor he becomes second in command of all of egypt and when the famine struck who was affected Jacob and the brothers and so what does Jacob say to the, to his sons go to the governor they did not know it was joseph go to the governor and beg for food because if not we're not going to have anything to eat so they go there they do not know it was joseph and the governor when he he tells them i want benjamin right he imprisons them for a while he tests them for a while, but eventually, what happens to Joseph? Well, let's read the book of Genesis, 45, 1-5. Joseph could stand it no longer. For, so for some time, he was concealing his true identity as he was entertaining his brothers and kind of testing them. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers. When he told them who he was, and he broke down and wept, he wept so loudly, the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carries, carried to Pharaoh's palace. And then he gives the big reveal, right? Because you have to understand, Joseph, he hasn't seen his brothers for a long, long time. And even if they've done evil against him, they're still your brothers. They're still flesh and blood, right? And so you can see what's, what was happening in the mind, heart of Joseph. He couldn't take it anymore. He had to tell him who he really was. And so Joseph says, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. He said to his brothers, is my father still alive? Because he misses his father terribly. Right? But his, his brothers were speechless. Because they know they're guilty. In fact, if you read the story, when all this was happening, they were saying to themselves, God is not punishing us. This is why this is happening. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, Joseph says to them. So they come closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. And then he reminds them, whom you sold into slavery. In Egypt, if you were Joseph's brothers and you were reminded of what you did, how would you be feeling at that moment? Afraid. This is it for me. I did evil against Joseph. Joseph now is going to act in vengeance and condemn me. This is the scene. And so all the brothers of Joseph, they were feeling Guilty, and they were preparing for the worse. But what does Joseph say to them? If we keep reading the passage, but don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The brothers, they said to themselves, they understood and they felt They were going to be condemned. They felt they were going to be punished. But they were surprised. In fact, stunned is the word. They were stunned. Joseph is not only alive. Joseph is going to take care of them and take them to a beautiful spot in Goshen in Egypt. Can you imagine that? Question the brothers of Joseph. Do they deserve this treatment? Do they deserve it? What do they deserve? They they deserve to be punished for what they did. But they were not punished, were they? They were saved. Do you know what this tells us? I mean, none of us, we never sold Yahusha to slavery. But when we think of our life and we look at what we have done, sometimes it's very easy to conclude, you know, I haven't done enough for my King Yahusha. Brought King Yahusha from heaven. He's looking at us and saying, "I love you. And I will give you salvation, because you are my brothers, you are my sisters." Something we need to understand about salvation: our salvation is based now on what we do. Our salvation is based on what He did. Even if He is faith, even if we are faithless, He remains faithful. This is why when our King Yahusha returns, what will be revealed? It's grace and mercy and love. Don't be afraid. Do not say to yourself, I am not worthy. Because we are not worthy. And that's the whole point. We're not worthy. But Yahusha says, I'll love you anyways. That's the first thing. That will be revealed when Yahusha returns. What also will be revealed when our king Yahusha returns? Let's read the book of Genesis 37, 33, 35. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. You know, it's hard to read that. Because if you are at at that point, because he was already elderly, and he was going through a lot of suffering, because he also lost Rachel giving birth to Benjamin. And then he has his favorite son, Joseph. He sends them out to his brothers. The brothers return. They have a cloak, a piece of the cloak, covered with blood. And what does he conclude? Oh, he was killed by wild animals. He could not be consoled. Have you ever experienced something like that? You're so sad. You're so sorrow, filled with sorrow. No matter what people say, no matter what people do, He just can't be consoled. This was Jacob because he lost his wife, he lost his son, and now there's a great famine, they're about to all die. And then the governor of Egypt tells him, I demand Benjamin to be taken to me. So now he's gonna lose his son from Rachel. And so when you add all that up, can you imagine what he was feeling? You know, beloved brethren as human beings, there are times when sometimes kind of things happen one after the other and we are filled with sorrow but there's something that will break through that sorrow just one news can break through all that sorrow what happened when at last he sends his sons to egypt they come back with some news what is that news let's read genesis 45 25 28 and they left egypt and returned to their father jacob in the land of canaan joseph still alive. I don't know. After enduring so much pain, believing for a long, long time your son is gone, and then somebody tells you, Joseph is still alive, they told him. And to top things off, not only is he alive, and he is the governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He could not believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirit revived. Then Jacob, Jacob explained, It must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. You don't call that just a happy ending, do you? No. That's just not a happy end. That's something that you cannot really express in words. Believing your son is dead. And then you get news. He's still alive. He's governor of all Egypt. And he's preparing a place for you. Does that sound familiar? Who's preparing a place for us? You see, when Yahushua returns, his grace and mercy will be revealed. But on top of that, the joy of his return will be revealed. And that joy, you cannot even imagine. Why? Let's turn to the book of Corinthians, chapter 2, 9 to 10. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets no human being can plan out the life of joseph only god can do that what happened to joseph is something that cannot be explained no eye can understand no eye can see that no ear can hear that no mind can imagine that but god can but not only that when it comes to the work of redemption it goes beyond our imagination When it comes to the work of restoration, it also goes beyond our imagination. This is why I can't wait for our King Yahushua to return and to take us to the place He's preparing. You know what He's preparing? A place for us. You know how that looks like? I have no idea. But you know what? You can imagine the grandest place ever. It's better than that. It's much better than that. This is why if we were to ask again how many here would want to go to heaven, Tonight, we should say, yeah, it's Right? I want to go there tonight. I want to see my Lord tonight. I want to be with him tonight. I want to be with him today. Because he loves me. And I want to say to him, I love you back. Right? So that's the joy we're going to feel. We cannot even imagine it. Yahweh was planning all of these details. And we're going to be wowed. By what he comes up with. And so that's the return of our king, Yahusha. But how about now? Because we're waiting. We experience sorrow. Can we have the joy of Yahusha even now? Well, let's read the book of John. 15, 13, 9 to 11. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain remain in you and that your joy may be full even in this life while we wait for the return of our king Yahushua we can have joy what is the basis of that joy? Abiding in his love. How do you abide in his love? Receive his love. He already proved that he loves us. How? He gave up his life. Yahushua says there's no greater love than that. But even after giving up his life to die for us, he doesn't stop loving, does he? That's the meaning of the word abide. It continues. It's not a one-act deal. No, it continues. And not only does it continue, it abounds. This is why the love of Yahusha and the joy of Yahusha are connected. They go together. When we focus and experience the love of our King Yahusha, the natural response is joy. This is what the early Christians believed. This is what they felt. This is why they, when they were being thrown into the arena, To be devoured by wild beasts. What were they doing? They were singing. They were praising. Why? Because of that joy. Because of that joy. This is why, beloved brethren, there should be this deep desire and longing for the return of our King. Every day we should be aspiring. May this day be that day when our King, Yahushua, returns because if it was wow that would be the greatest day ever everything's gonna change for the better and so what should we profess today while we wait for the day of the return of our king when we see him face to face let's read the final passage of our studies today first peter 1 8 to 9 you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Apostle Peter, the other apostles, some of the Christians who saw Yahusha on earth talked to him, embraced him physically, maybe ate with him. They saw Yahusha and they noticed whenever he was around, there was no death, there was no sickness, only joy. But they saw him face to face. They loved him. Here, Apostle Peter is speaking about those who didn't get that chance, were included, right? We have never seen Yahusha before. We've never seen him. Don't tell me you know how he looks like. We've never seen him. But there's something in our heart that cannot be explained. We've never seen him. We love him so much. Do do you feel that love for him? So much so you cannot wait to return, for, for his return, so that you can say that. Right? We've never seen him. Also, Peter says, you love him. You've never seen him, but you still trust in him. The result is inexpressible joy. Beloved brethren, what would be the first thing you will say to your King Yahusha when you see him face to face? What would you say to him? I'll let you answer that on your own we probably have a lot of things that we want to say. Thank you, right? You love me, but I just want to say with words, I love you, my king. I want to be with you, my king. Thank you so much. Even now, brethren, live our life with thankfulness because of what he did and what he will do and what he does now with us with our life and long for his return because when he returns joy that we have now it will be magnified many times over and we will not be able to express in words what we shall feel that is our hope and that is our prayer let us stand we shall pray together everlasting father What can we say to you, Abba? Yahuwah, this was all you're doing. Even while we were sinners, you thought up of your plan to include us, that we might be saved. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Father. We are filled with joy we sometimes shed tears these are tears of gladness because you're assuring all of us today we will be saved when you will send your son thank you father thank you for your presence thank you for your son yahushua our messiah behold your servants you call us your friends. You have given up your life for us. though no, we are not worthy of you. Yet because of your love, your grace and compassion, we are assured of your salvation. Even now we feel the joy knowing that you love us. Thank you, O oh great King. Please believe your servants. When we say to you, we love you, we cannot wait to see you return. What a wonderful day that would be when the heavens will open and you will descend from above. We will see you face to face. We will feel your embrace. We will feel your heavenly touch. We long for that day, O King of Kings. Embrace your servants. Be with us now. You taught us to abide. We are doing our best. We will follow your commands. We will live a life worthy of you. But we also know we are not worthy at all. Thank you so much. For by grace we are saved. By your love we are saved. And we stand before you today, whole and secured because of your work on the cross. Father, thank you so much. You have allowed all of us to be here together. We have many supplications that we have offered up. We ask you to listen to them, not because we deserve it, but because of who you are, Yahuwah, we bring. Our supplications before you. Some of us are afflicted with disease, with sicknesses and illnesses. Our bodies sometimes wear wear down. O Father, may you give us strength. May you heal us of our sicknesses. May you perform your miracle, Abba. Allow us to remain alive. That one day we will see the return of your beloved son. Bless our families, Father, our loved ones, our children and grandchildren. Remember all of them. Give them the opportunity to be called into you. Please, Father, help us to be your instruments in proclaiming the light of your righteousness. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to our prayers today. We ask everything, Father. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.